you go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day and smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. When you buy Kroger brand products, you feel like you're winning. That's because they offer proven quality at lower than low prices. In fact, we guarantee that you and your family will love how Kroger brand products taste. Or you get your money back. So next time you're shopping for the family, look for delicious Kroger brand products. Because they'll make you all feel like you're winning. Shop now, in-store, or online. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Hey, everyone. This is Jody Sweeten from the podcast How Rude, Tanneritos. I've been needing a quick getaway with my family, and the 2024 Hyundai Santa Fe is the perfect vehicle to take us there. It has standard third-row seating, so I'm able to pack my entire family, plus pets in the car, while also having enough room for our camping essentials. Available H-Track all-wheel drive will get us through any dirt trails, and available dual wireless charging pads will ensure we never have to worry about getting stuck with a dead phone in the middle of nowhere. Visit HyundaiUSA.com. Or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. David, football, football David. The Dave Damaschek Football Program. Available on iTunes and at davedamaschek.nfl.com. Now here's your host, Dave Damaschek. Hi and hello, football fans. It's your old pal Dave, Dave Damashek. What's going down? I hope all's well wherever you are. Welcome to episode number 186 of the Dave Damashek Football Program. Available as always on iTunes and at NFL.com slash Sheck. S H Wow, Black Tie, you did it. Nicely done, fella. That was a listener suggestion. It was tweeted to us a couple of weeks ago, and Black Tie obviously was able to fit it into his busy schedule to put that together. I like it. I don't know if I like the association with the Jets, though. But that aside, it's pretty nifty. I like that. Well, listen, welcome to episode uh, 186. Again, a.k.a. our first show since NFL football kicked off week one, more or less in the books. We come to you on Monday afternoon. Kickoff is imminent of the uh, of the start of the doubleheader on Monday night, so we don't know what happened there. But we can still give you our thoughts on uh, on the bulk of week one, and we'll start doing so right now. With a man, you know, from NFL.com, NFL Network, he talks fantasy, he does the pick six, he does the like-dislike column, and he is the Chicago Bears' newest fan, and since he started supporting them, coincidence or not, they are 1-0. and It's Adam Rank, what's the poop, fella? Bear down, Chicago Bears, I need to learn <laughs> the rest of the words. But I got that fun. I didn't know what nice. to do. I didn't know what to do when we scored. I said, do I sing that? It's already we. I didn't know. I'm like, what do I do? And they're like, no, that's the Blackhawks. And I go, I don't want to be associated with them. So I just high-fived people. It was fun. It's fun going around high-fiving people again. Grab a bear! 
scared. Yeah, you know, like having that kind well, of camaraderie if you, if you with complete strangers. It, if you missed it, Rank spent the summer. He expo- He said that he was going like just like NFL players. It was fan free agency. He solicited the attention, the desires, the affections of all the NFL teams out there, or most at least. He settled on the Chicago Bears for family reasons, and I I support that. His family has always been a Bears family. He decided it was time that he do the right thing and start supporting the Bears. So good for you. Now let's say hello to a man who, when he was growing up in London, England, gravitated inexplicably to the Miami Dolphins. He also is sitting at 1-0. and It's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. He's Handsome Hank. Hello, Handsome, and congratulations to your team. Thank you very much. And while we're on the subject of team songs, I will now sing the Miami Dolphins fight song. Like, Except I won't because it's embarrassing. Wh- what oh, is that? Wrong? What is it's it? The t- it's the most terrible song in the history. Because we're the Miami Dolphins. I don't understand Miami how they... Dolphins. That's not the, they Miami stole the Dolphins Houston... number one. Because we're the one. Houston Oilers. Houston Oilers, the Love You Blue, and the simultaneous Miami Dolphins sing the same song. I would love to know who did it first. Probably the Dolphins, although they, I think they have a the, history of stealing. Because they, the I don't know if you know, the terrible towel, you, I know you're aware of, they they briefly stole the idea and called it the horrible hanky, which, oh, oh, which is kind of disgusting. Oh. It was a white towel no, no, no. that they... That they Attempted to make fans wave over their heads. Wow. Yeah, the they're not the only ones who've stolen the that. The horrible hanky. It just sounds oh. like something you'd find in your grandma's <laughs> pocket or something like that. The L.A. Rams had that beat in the late 70s. They went with the Rammy Whammy. Oh, no. Uh, so Humiliating. Yeah. Just awful stuff. All right. So week one, some highs, some lows, some definite hideous football out mm-hmm. there. Blaine Gabbert and the Jags, not so surprising. The Pittsburgh Steelers, however, I won't say it's a surprise because I said don't be surprised if they wind up as the fourth place team in the AFC North. I worry about that. And in fact, as we dig into things here, by the way, we have Daniel Jeremiah, our pal, a.k.a. Uh, at Move the Sticks. He talks uh, Draft 365 with Matt Money Smith and Bucky Brooks. He's coming at us in just a little bit uh, for his view of week one and what it means as we head forward here. But I think we should. It's been requested again by the Czech Republic and the rank amateurs and the Hank amateurs all agree that we've been sleeping on one of our more popular segments for too long. I'm talking, of course, about Dead or Alive. All right, here's how it is, fellas. I will ask you a question. You guys in black tie behind the glass, you tell me if it's dead or alive. It's pretty straightforward stuff here. And let's start with those Pittsburgh Steelers. Home losers. For the first time, I think, in a decade, they lose their home opener. And to the Tennessee Titans, yes, I have the Titans as a playoff team this year. Still, I did not anticipate a safety plus a last-minute touchdown. And aside from that, nothing to cheer for in the 58 minutes and change in between uh, that opening score and the uh, last-minute score there. So the question is, Pittsburgh Steelers, Marquise Pouncey, out for the year. Larod Stevens, Howling's, uh, Howling, out for the year. Uh, Larry Foote, out for the year. And, of course, just altogether putrid play out there in Heinz Field. Pittsburgh Steelers, chances of making the playoffs in 2013, dead or alive, rank, I start with you. I say that they are still alive. 
because if you saw the AFC Central play at any point during this weekend, or like what, the North, AFC, AFC North, yes, that's all. Yes. They've only changed that about a dozen years ago. No reason you should know about that. <laughs> I know said, you're focused on NFC North football, right? Yes, now, that's so. all I care about. You know, it's true. But if you looked at that division, nobody was very impressive on Sunday. The Bengals, of that's course, the good news. The Bengals didn't beat a team with a over 500 record last year. That streak continues, although the Bears, my Bears, were 0-0 uh, zero and zero at the time. But Cleveland doesn't look like they're very good. Their defense is very strong, but they don't look overall very well. The Ravens have some questions. The Steelers, all those teams, all of them, it's wide open. I'll tell you this, too. If it gets to the point, and this is probably a little bit of an overreaction with everybody just being on one, but if it gets to the point where there's a 500 team that, that's going to win the division. I want the Roonies out there waving the flag for this whole nonsense of, hey, a 7-9 and nine or 8-8 eight and eight team should not host a playoff game because nobody talks about it unless it's an NFC West team. If the NFC West goes 9-7 and seven or 8-8, eight eight, then everybody's up in arms. These teams that's should host true. playoff It games. was ridiculous in the NFC East a couple years ago when the same nobody thing happened. Nobody said a word when it happened. I guess you're kind of right about that. When there the is Giants some played host, bias. Yeah, when the Giants played host to, a playoff, to the Falcons, even though the Falcons had a better record, nobody said a word. Well, let me say this. I let the Bengals off the hook more than any of the other teams. Well, the Ravens, too. They got they got jammed by their own uh, – their cross-the-street uh, pals, supposedly, the Orioles, right. refused. I Ravens fans should be outraged that the Orioles did this, that Baltimore sports fans should be outraged. They were deprived by the Orioles of a great, Hold an on. all-time great sports day. Here's how it could have gone. Baltimore Orioles in the middle of the day under the sun playing a significant ball game. Then you go to the local pubs. You have a couple. You bide your time. Then you go across the street and you watch the Ravens celebrate their Super Bowl against a worthy foe. Instead, they have to go to Mile High City, and then it all goes downhill from there. A couple of things, though. Uh, the NFL game could have easily kicked off in the afternoon. What a glorious day that would have been. Nah, a Thursday afternoon. Baseball, the way that the rules are set up, a number of teams would have to agree to move the schedule so you could actually blame the Yankees. That came down to the Yankees not wanting to change their schedule. You can go, it's been well written about. And also, why didn't you just do it on Wednesday? Of course, they made the concession for the New York Giants the previous year to let them play on Wednesday night, but when it's Baltimore's turn, it's like, oh, no, we can't have a Wednesday night game. But, of course, when it was a New York team, please. And also, I let the Bengals, to finish my point, I I let the Bengals off the hook to some degree. They have to play Mark Tressman. How can you possibly prepare for a team whose head coach has been in the CFL for the last many moons? How do you you get ready for that? I think videotape exists in Canada. We should probably get some of our followers to just confirm that for us, Dave. I follow that much. I get it. But the the Alouettes football, does their scheme have any application in the NFL? 20 yards deep in the end zone, you know, that's where he (laughs) likes to run those routes, that type of thing. All right, Steelers, 2013 playoff chances. How say you, Hanson? Dave, the pulse is weak, but I don't think it was that strong going into the season. I agree with that. I mean, it, the, the on the on the strong side for them, I guess, everyone's on one. So, as Adam just said, you know, we it, it's not too hard to imagine them somehow getting into the playoffs. But all those injuries that you mentioned, especially Pouncey, I think, mm-hmm. at center, with a running game that's kind of up in the air a little bit as well, you really need the fact that you had a Pro Bowl center to you know to run behind. Um, that that would have helped them. Um, I don't think it's going to happen, but I, I'm not willing to yet uh, call out for the defibrillator. <laughs> All right. Black tie, how say you? Dead. Just because that team is, 
void of weapons. Even that's though I exactly tailor, right. even Good though I Taylor you, came on and said Antonio Brown is the number one receiver, that's just not true. I mean, he's a speed guy. I just don't see him having enough weapons. Heath Miller is too slow for me in this day and age of age of tight ends. He's not a he's not a game breaking guy. You need guys on the outside who can break the defense already, and then he works on the knees. All right, let's turn to the doctor here. The doctor on call. Steelers playoff chances, dead or alive. Ooh, that's smart. Just week one, and yeah, I'm going to say they're dead. And like black tie touches on, first of all, the NFL, we've talked about it with our pal Elliot Harrison and others, the NFL now is about playmakers, and the Steelers just lack for those, certainly on offense. We'll see if Marcus Wheaton, Todd Haley, philosophically doesn't like to try and push the ball down the field, so that's an issue, and Marcus Wheaton is maybe a guy, if you have a clever head coach or play caller, who tries at least in the kid's first game to put the ball in his hands on some sort of an end around or something when you're struggling on offense. There is no sign of that. Obviously, the running game looked uh, putrid as soon as Pouncey goes out. That's going to be a liability this season. So, yeah, in the defense... Maybe Jarvis Jones and Palomalu did look good. That was cause for optimism, and uh, the the time Jarvis Jones spent on a, out on the field, he looked uh, positive too in terms of making spectacular sorts of plays and uh, and being disruptive to the other team. But overall, man, they're not in the right division. The Bengals are better than they are, and that's a big thing. They play the Bengals in Cincinnati this coming week. They lose that one and go to zero and two. I know in the division they're not going to be behind the eight ball, but this is not a team that in inspires the thought that they're going often the Steelers have the ability to reel off sort of you blink and oh they've won five games in a row and they're right in the mix I don't think this team's built to do that this year again not the way the NFL is constituted black tie touches on something they just their tight end Heath Miller is good but he's not somebody who runs up the, that seam takes advantage of that who's the playmaker there I just don't uh, I just don't see it yes Hanson Dave in your point since the there was 12 team playoff format in 1990 160 teams have made have begun the year with an zero and two record. Only twenty two have made the playoffs. Yeah, I mean, they're they're the the other thing is, and we can ask uh, Jeremiah this when he joins us in just a few minutes here. But uh, something that he pointed out to me at the tail end of last year is the Ravens versus the Steelers. The Steelers just have a, a real lack of organizational depth. The Ravens, everybody, you can't make the excuse that Steelers fans or anybody else who has who has a significant injury now point to, well, what can, what can you say? They got a lot of injuries. Yeah, you know who else has a lot of injuries? Everyone else. This is the way in the NFL it requires that you have depth at every position. The Steelers just don't have it. They haven't done a great job in recent drafts, and now here we are, and I don't know what the Kelvin Beecham is the answer at center. Obviously, he's not. So, yeah, they're in trouble. All right, next question. Let's turn the ugly stuff because we talked a lot of ugliness preseason about the New York Jets and the Oakland Raiders. Both looked not half bad, at least. Geno Smith wins it at the end, obviously aided by the Buccaneers and a terrible penalty there. But uh, they win nonetheless. And then the Raiders go into Indianapolis, and everybody, you know, oh, Terrell Pryor can't throw and so on and so forth. They almost win that game. So, handsome Hank, cynicism about the New York Jets and Oakland Raiders being terrible this year, dead or alive? Uh, Half dead, half alive. Oh. Here's why. I think the cynicism about the Jets, or at least mine, uh, still exists. The Jets are... Um, Even the, though they're the, the ones got, who won the game. Yes, they won, but they were incredibly lucky. I mean, you have to have um, a, 
a boneheaded play like the the play that um, that allowed them to win that game, that's not going to happen too often to you, and it's probably going to happen near the start of the season. I didn't see. Well, anything. and also Vincent Jackson gets tackled. He, sh- right. he if he eludes the uh, the tackle there, the shoestring tackle, then obviously they yeah. score a touchdown. Now the positive game, for them is they kept the score low, which is what Rex Ryan's team should be able to do. But I that's what they're going to be all about exactly. is being in the mix, right? But I didn't see anything from Geno Smith that made me think that he's a guy who's going to win you games at any point during the season alone. You know, you're going to have to have that great defensive performance on the flip side the Oakland Raiders no they didn't win I think the Colts are I think uh, well I know I chose them for the playoffs I think you did as well I think they're going to be a a pretty good team this year Um, but Terrell Pryor was impressive and that's a guy that is another one you were saying earlier how do you how do you game plan for a Tressman offense Terrell Pryor sort of just pulls things out of the hat as he's going along so I I, he could be a tough guy to uh, to game plan for and he's certainly the perfect quarterback for that Raiders offense it's true it's a good point there isn't a whole lot else there so you need a guy who like who knows what he's going to do every week now there could be a week maybe it's next week where he he throws a ton of picks as well but i think he's next he's a playmate bound to happen yeah i don't know that they're certainly guaranteed to be one of the two worst teams as i said going into the year especially as bad as the jags looked the other day or uh, on sunday and blaine gabbard black tie how say you there I would say not yet, because even if Pryor did have some electrifying plays and runs, teams are going to be ready for that moving forward, because honestly, like his two interceptions were pretty bad. They were just pretty bad, badly thrown balls. Geno Smith, once again, he doesn't really have the weapons. And as as you guys know, I'm not big in his body language. He's even, I mean, look <laughs> at it. Even, the body language. even when he won, even when the game was won, he, he had that whole like arms raised up on the sides, like, you know, yeah, look at me, I'm here. Like that whole like, I'm so cool. I'm. I'm. So, it, he's. He's just. He's just about. He's about that. Uh. The, you know the, the the shiny the lights and he's not he's not prime time yet and he acts like he's prime. Well, time. Cam Newton's the one who prances around after every first down. Well, you, gets up there and has to make the first down gesture. You know That's a little bit. You much. know how I feel about Cam's body language. I'm not a fan. I I'm thought that, in fact, that was my uh, gold star pick of David going into for the upset this year. Was oh, This week was Carolina over Seattle. If D'Angelo Williams hadn't fumbled, I would have been right on. You would have been close. Rank. I mean, you're assuming it was going to touchdown. This I is know. Team right. that... I'm making an assumption. Yeah, yeah. you're right. They, they were close, though. Anyway, Rank, how say you? The two quarterbacks make it interesting to watch, at least. Geno Smith, Terrell Pryor, just to see what happens with them as the season goes on. However, watching... The Jets, uh, they're on life support because when they play the Patriots on Thursday night on NFL Network, we will find out for sure. It'll be either killed off or else it'll keep going. So it's it's still there. They're still alive. The Raiders, on the other hand, are not. If you, if you watch the Raiders play, and then if you had seen any bit of the Broncos or the Chiefs play over the weekend, you would realize the Raiders aren't even close to those two teams. We still haven't seen San Diego yet, so they're at least the third best team in that division. And once it, it that Colts defense is not very good, so I will I will I will wait to see Terrell Pryor go. And he goes up against the Jaguars this week, so he's really not going to get tested again. When he goes up against def, uh, when he goes up against Denver. When he goes up against Kansas City, if he's able to run like he did against the Colts, I'll be impressed. But until that time, I don't, I don't, I don't think they got much of a shot. Doctor, how say you? Stand alive, stand alive. Yeah, it's alive. Of course, it's alive. What the Jets are suddenly because they fluke their way past the Buccaneers, who maybe are going to stink themselves. I mean, Josh Freeman looked. Really bad. I mean, goofy. I don't mean in terms of the balls he was throwing, but you talk about 
those Sanchez level kind of goofs, balls rolling by his feet, not in uh, you know not working uh, in a good coordinated way with his center. There was a whole bunch of gaffes for that Buccaneers team that uh, that are troubling. I think, Rank, you're right, too. The Raiders are still going to wind up with a terrible record. Terrell Pryor might be exciting, but they don't have anything around him, really, to get enthused about. And while he might be cause for optimism, if you're a Raiders fan, that's more than uh, about 2014 and beyond, possibly. It's not about them doing well this year, because, as you say, they have just about guaranteed four losses staring them in the face there within the division and two the thing that kept going through my head as I was watching that Colts game on Sunday was this is a team that's young and they have a questionable defense and I could see them being a little bit too pumped up or or not being a little bit too full of themselves going into this week oh we got the Raiders we'll steamroll them and not taking it with the the proper sense of urgency and so yeah all those things combined to make me down on the Raiders and the Jets please the Jets are ridiculous. I will say, though, no weapons for Geno Smith. I think that offense might go a little bit. And between him and even more, E.J. Manuel, something I said all offseason, how many times do you need to see a rookie, especially one who can run around a little bit, and, and be shocked that he looks like he has a chance of being productive in his first year? I think the Bills maybe are a team that uh, that could be some fun this year to, to keep an eye on that offense and that defense. Well, speaking of which, let's make it an all-AFC edition of Dead or Alive. The New England Patriots reign atop the AFC East They've they win it pretty much every year over the past decade. Dead or alive, rank. I start with you. Very much alive. They held on. They will win. Gutty win for the New England Patriots going up to Buffalo, a, a stronger team than people are giving credit to. So the New England Patriots, you know, they're without Rob Gronkowski, which is a huge part of their offense. Still found a way to make it work. Stephen Ridley can't hold on to the football, and that's going to be a little bit of a problem. Yeah, and Shane Vereen's out now for a stretch with the broken wrist. And let me say one other thing to you. This is the rookie's first go-round. And like I just said, you can't be too surprised by it, except for the fact that he hadn't taken a snap in three weeks. So it's not like he just is coming off of five weeks of uh, of steady repetition. This is like, yeah, we, I know you've been out for a while. I'll get back into the mix. I mean, a week ago or so, we were talking about Jeff Toole starting this game. Mm-hmm. Now E.J. Manuel goes out. And the Bills secondary, which was no one's ever considered to be one of the best in football, had its two best pieces missing. Gilmore and Bird were both out for this game, and Tom Brady struggled all day long to find an open receiver. He looked bad. Well, that Kimbrell, so you Tompkins, say, Kimbrell Tompkins was dropping some passes. Oh, Amendola fine. got well, hurt. Right. right. But well, so what? So he's got a, Tompkins has to catch those passes. That's, that's going to change. He'll get better as the season goes on, yes. His hands Sud, will learn to catch better. As his, Sudfeld had some problems, too. He's hurt. All right, no, I don't know. Hurt. This, I say... It's, I, I really toyed with taking the Dolphins to win the division. I think that in Cleveland, a game that you know the Browns at the start of their new dawn here, at, or at the dawn of a new day for them, you knew they were going to show up and be excited for this game. I think all things considered, that's a that's a quietly very nice win for, for the Dolphins to go up into Cleveland and, and get that game. Um, but Handsome Hank, you are the resident Dolphins fan. How do you feel right now? 
Uh, well, I, I, I actually tried to, amongst all the other things I was doing yesterday, I tried to focus on that game as much as I could. It started ugly. The Dolphins in the first half, mm-hmm. they were up. I think they had three turnovers. They picked off Brandon Whedon three times, and that was kind of the story of the game. Their defense played very well, both at the back end and, and getting pressure on Whedon, which was the reason for at least one of those picks. Um but they couldn't do anything with it. When they when they were picking him off, I think they finished the game. I'm just having a look. I think they, they had less than 20 yards rushing, all told. Uh, Daniel Thomas had eight carries for 14 yards, and Lamar Miller had 10 carries. Lamar Miller, by the way, the man, the fantasy, you know, the, the golden pick of the offseason. This is the guy. He's, you know, he's, he's a sleeper pick. And then he went from being a sleeper pick to a wide awake, like, this guy is, is for real. He had three yards on 10 carries. Fabiano was super high on him. Fantasy guru Michael Fabiano loved Lamar Miller, and he kept calling him a bell cow. And then when I challenged mm-hmm. Fabiano on what a bell cow is, he had no idea. No idea. You can't use cliches. You can't use those kind of metaphors if you, don't, you don't know, know what, what the source is. is. I asked him. It's a guy who gets a lot of carries. I said, that's not what I'm asking you, Fabiano. Fortunately, <laughs> Matt Money Smith swooped in to save the day for his and helped him save face. But yes, Lamar Miller so, certainly did not have the look not of a bell neither cow. Neither more cow than bell cow. Um, <laughs> anyway, so they couldn't get much going now. In the second half, I think Tannehill kind of worked his way through the difficult patch he was having, and then and um, he obviously clicked with Brian Hartline, who was seeing a lot of targets because of how uh, Joe Hayden was covering Mike Wallace, and we can get onto Wallace in a second. But I. The Browns are the Browns' defense played well. Whether that carries on, we'll we'll see. I was pleased with the Dolphins' performance. Obviously, ecstatic to get a win. I think they'd won one of their last six opening games, so it's a it's a rare occurrence for them to win on opening weekend. But I, there's a lot of improvement, and especially on the offensive line and the running game. All right, black tie quickly. Will the Patriots hold on and win the the uh, division this year? It's closer than ever before. Because as you know, it was always body language. Comes back to body language. E. I, didn't know. I didn't know everything came back to that until you told me it did. But all right. E.J. Mano, even though I was, I've been a fan since Combine, the one the one issue I had with him or the, the cause for concern is he always seemed too nice. He always seemed too too clean, too nice. Mm. When he threw a couple of touchdowns yesterday against the pass on Sunday, he was really, really fired up. He showed that edge that I was looking for. He threw that fire. All the way to his bench, he was really into he it. He can have fire, but he can't make it about himself. Is what you're saying? Exactly, exactly. Right. And it was all about the team. And he very was, he difficult. Was fired to... up, and I like what I saw from him and the offense in general. And, and once they get that running game going, the defense isn't bad. They have playmakers both in the D line and in the secondary. Maybe the Pats hold on this year, but look out! I like those Bills. All right, let's see what the doctor has to say. Stand alive! Stand alive! Yeah, it's alive, but it's not in good health. You know, the condition is fair at best. This Patriots team, boy, oh boy, on Sunday, like I said, they had a hard time finding open receivers. Tom Brady had a hard time finding anybody to to throw the ball to. And this is not against the 85 Bears. I got to change that. I got to stop saying six bears. I know. Yeah, I know. You always bring that up, and you're right. Well, you are the uh, the the bears wonk, but the I think bears. it really should be it should be the seventy six Steelers or something like that, or the or the seventy eight for you, yes, seventy eight Falcons. That's an underrated all time defense. That's where that defense. You know, the eighty five bears, the forty six D that Buddy Ryan uh-huh. is credited with creating is in fact as much as a joke as he is, Jerry Glanville is uh, the creator of that, the the Blitz Grits, or whatever they called it. Grits Blitz. The Grits Blitz, but I don't think they called it at that. But do you know that I think that 
in in a number of categories, that's the best defense of all time, the 78 uh, Atlanta Falcons, which seems weird and underwhelming. What ha- So who? I don't remember what they did in the playoffs. In 1980, the they were good. They were good, and the Cowboys And the Cowboys, uh, yeah, Danny White. Danny White's what? And like, his first season as the starting QB. Yeah, Drew Pearson rally? in yeah. the fourth quarter. I think they came that back from like 10 points down to win it. Anyway, yeah, I don't think the, the, uh, the Patriots are a great team. They are a flawed team. Who Tom Brady's throwing the ball to? Everybody just way too readily is is too quick to just say, ah, he, he makes everybody look good. People seem to forget that until the Randy Moss year, he didn't put up big numbers, obviously, over the course of his career. 2005 was good for him, but you're absolutely but right. But he's spotty. It wasn't like that Patriots offense was just some sort of a machine that didn't matter who you plugged in there. It was going to be productive. That was not the case. People have rewritten that to be true, but it really, a major part of it was McGinnis and Brewski and Harrison and, and Seymour and those guys. That's why those teams were winning Super Bowls, well, I, at least in part. It wasn't just that Tom Brady, oh, he made Deion Branch a Super Bowl MVP. True, but he didn't make Deion Branch a star week in and week out. All right, so uh, so there you go on that, and uh, Black Tie's waving his arms. Does this mean we have moved the sticks? The rising star in football media, both pro football and... And college football. He's on the Draft 365 podcast with our pal Matt Money Smith and Bucky Brooks. You also see him kibitzing on NFL.com and NFL Network. He's a handsome devil, and I've said it before. I'm going to say it again now. He will be an NFL general manager one of these days. It's Daniel Jeremiah. What's the poop, fella? Dave, I always I always enjoy your introductions, man. They're so kind, but I'd say right now Vegas has the odds of me being the manager of Arby's down the street, even money, with being a general <laughs> manager, but that's okay. Don't be coy with me, fella. How are you? Happy football season, first of all. Oh, isn't it nice? I mean, I, I don't know how. How do we do? How do we do this whole off season? Well, we don't have anything. You know, there's no football to talk about. There's only so many ways you can preview and predict. I mean, it's nice to actually have some football to talk about that we've actually watched with our own eyes, isn't it? Well, absolutely. And the thing that, uh, you know, I always say about it is, you know, the man can come along. The man can say, back to school, it's September, go back to work, and it's going to start getting colder out, and the days are going to be shorter. But you know what he can't take away from us? Our football, DJ. That's what matters. And that that makes football worthwhile alone. And you're right. Summer, we can go out and play wiffle ball and go out to the sea or whatever else. But as these days start to get colder and stuff, this is this is our outlet. You understand? And when do the days start getting colder, by the way? Because I live out, you know, if you know where I am, Dave, but I'm in Temecula, and it's still like 100 degrees, and I go to the mall, and they have, like, the sweatshirts out and everything, and I want to buy into flight. It's 100 degrees outside. Oh, it'll be 93 degrees by Thanksgiving. Lighten up. It'll be just fine. <laughs> All right, DJ, answer me this. There's so many directions we can go here. We could even uh, talk some college football, and maybe we'll do that in uh, in uh, just a little bit here. But one of the signature games of Week 1 the Packers and the Niners and the story there, Colin Kaepernick. We saw Kaepernick move around a fair amount. It's not like he just hung in the pocket all day long, but it's not as though he was killing the pack with the legs like he did in January. What do you see about this guy? What do your eyeballs tell you? Because he does have that weird, like he's a throw. It really looks looks more like a javelin thrower than a quarterback. So what's your read on Kaepernick? First of all, Dave, the first thing I see every time when I see him is I see failure on my part for not giving him a higher <laughs> grade at Nevada. Uh, so, look, when I when I watched him at Nevada, 
you know, the size you love, the athleticism, the speed, you love that. He had a huge arm. That was great. But I had questions about his touch, and his throwing motion was just different than anything I'd ever seen. Those are kind of a little bit, you know, held me back a little bit. And, and to see the improvement that he's made with his touch, like that corner route that he threw for a touchdown was beautiful. I mean, he's dropped that right in the bucket. He didn't make a lot of throws like that in college. He's, he's really, really, you can tell he's put in the work. He's worked hard. And he's improved it. And when you look at his entire skill set now, with the size, the arm strength, adding the touch, the playmaking ability, and you put him behind a good offensive line, and you give him some weapons, I mean, it's a that's a scary looking bunch. Do you, do you think the Forty ers went out of their way to not have him run? Because it seemed like there were opportunities where he certainly could have, but it also seemed that Harbaugh was trying to make a point of this guy can also throw the football, and we're going to beat you that way. I'm glad you brought that up, Rank, because when, when I watched the game, it stood out to me. It was so noticeable. Last year, uh, when Green Bay played against them, he gashed them, obviously, in that game. What happened, Green Bay got caught up the field. So you're a pass rusher outside. It's just, you know, it's pretty obvious. There's three ways you can get to the quarterback. You can go inside with a counter move. You can go outside with a speed move. Or you can go try and go through the offensive tackle with a power move. And when you watch that game, the Green Bay Packers never – Ever, their edge rushers never got caught outside. They wanted to keep everything in front of them. They didn't want to create those big lanes for Kaepernick to take off. So in turn, Clay Matthews had a sack. His sack was on an inside counter move. But then finally, I think the 49ers kind of realized, look, these guys are not going to get caught up field. So they just kind of hung at the line of scrimmage, and he had all day to throw. So that's one of those instances where you say, well, they didn't need the read option. The read option wasn't even a factor in that game. Well, yeah, it was. They, they were paranoid about getting caught out of position, and it in turn kept them from pinning their ears back and going after them. I thought it was fascinating to watch. Were those the two best players, uh, the two best quarterbacks at least in the game, going head-to-head there in San Francisco? Yeah, I mean, prior, you know, look, it's, it's hard for me when you got guys that have so much history and so much production to put a guy that hasn't even started a full season in the same, you know, breath as them. But, look, the guy passes the eye test. I mean, he was on the field with Aaron Rodgers, who in my opinion I think is the most talented guy in the league, and he really kind of outplayed him. So, I mean, I, I don't think it's unfair to make that statement. I'm still just, you know, I'm hesitant to do it just because we have some of these other guys that have done it for so long, and we had a guy that threw for seven touchdowns and five billion yards on Thursday night as well. But for one game, I mean, is that? I know that seems like hyperbole, especially, what is it now, eight games that uh, Kaepernick has started in the NFL, but what you've been able to, to take a look at is if you, you, you need to have one game, are you putting Kaepernick ahead of Peyton and Brady and Breeze? Well, I'll, I'll say this. I would, still take, I would still take Tom Brady. I don't think you'll agree with me, Dave, but if you put Tom Brady – behind that offensive line and gave him Anquan Bolden and Vernon Davis, that ball wouldn't hit the ground either. Well, a, a, a fair point. And what about that, though, with uh, with the 49ers? Obviously, they they have the looks of uh, being a contender again. Is it uh, based on playing one of the better teams there? The Packers aren't uh, necessarily one of the best defenses out there. But do you look at that and say they're not going to really be in that much trouble without Michael Crabtree? Bolden has the nice day, but they still lack that that true sort of number one. But so what, it looks like? Yeah, I mean, I just look at it from the standpoint of, you know, this team is, for the last, you know, four years, well, since Harbaugh's got there, I mean, they've been a power football team. And when, when you can win a game over the Green Bay Packers, when you average 2.6 yards a carry, uh, you know, and you put the ball up 39 times, 
to me, it just showed me that they have more than one way to win a football game, and that's big, especially as you get towards you know the meteor schedule and you get towards the postseason. Sometimes the game's going to be dictated. The style's going to be dictated to you. Uh, defenses are going to take something away. They're going to force you to beat them in, in a different way. And for 49ers fans, I think you have to be happy. Now you know, hey, we we know we can play power football, and then we just showed that if they want to take that away, we can sit back in the pocket and pick you apart that way. Let's stick in the Bay Area. Terrell Pryor is the leading rusher in the NFL as we're talking right now. Is this guy for real, yes or no? Well, he's, he's exciting. I'll use that phrase, Frank. I, I look, he's he made a lot of good plays, but he still had a couple plays that ended up costing them the game at the end. Now, Matt Flynn is playing that game. They lose by three touchdowns because he could never have got out of the trouble that Pryor got out of. He couldn't have made the plays that he made. He is an exciting player. Um, I love the playmaking aspect, but with that, you have to find a way to, to, to avoid taking a horrible sack like he took at the end of the game and then some decision-making that needs to improve. But look, for his... For the first game of the year with a very inferior team going up against the Colts, to have them in position late in the game, uh, I mean, kudos to him. It was a great performance. There's a lot to be excited about there, but he is raw now. He's as raw as it gets. DJ, it's your British cousin here as well. Um, I was just wondering, um, this weekend, obviously one of the biggest games coming up, one one, one that people have been looking forward to um, since, uh, uh, who knows when, back in January is the, the Niners We were Seahawks. deprived of round three last January. Exactly. That would have been a fantastic exactly. NFC title game. So going back to Kaepernick, you know, at this stage, we saw what Kaepernick could do yesterday. Russell Wilson had a pretty good game, you know, a much quieter game, didn't produce as many points. But do you think long term, which of those two quarterbacks do you think you would prefer to have, let's say, five years from now five years from now I, you know as of right now where they are i feel kaepernick just for just for really for the size factor that he gives you he's a little bit more athletic as a runner they both have great arms they're both students of the game i mean i really like both of them but if, if i had to, to separate the two i think i would just go with size and, and with that maybe comes durability uh he's a just a bigger guy that was the same uh, discussion though, Henry, when when Luck and RG three were coming out, I thought they were both outstanding, and I thought one of the major uh, you know differences, the reason why I ended up putting Andrew Luck over RG three was just the frame that he had to be able to hold up uh, to, to the pounding you're going to take at the position. Russell Wilson's well put together; he's just a smaller guy. Exactly, but assuming that you know contract wise and health wise, they they they're both together. Can you see a better sort of quarterback rivalry in the NFL for the next decade, let's say, than that one? No, I, I mean to have them in the same in the same division. I mean that's that's pretty good. I mean to have two guys like that in the same division. Uh, I mean I I think that's as good as it gets. I also think though, you know, I hope RG three can stay healthy because if he does, you have the natural rivalry. I know they're not in the same conference, but when you talk about Luck and RG three in that same draft, one and two, um, kind of in college they were tied together. They're going to be kind of. Hopefully, for the NFL's sake, kind of the Larry Bird, you know, Magic Johnson uh, for this next decade. Tavon Austin uh, didn't set the world on fire on Sunday, but this Rams team is one that I have put into the playoffs. And uh, what do you think about what you saw against Arizona on Sunday? I thought they looked fast, and that to me it stood out. It was obvious when you watch when you flip that game on. You you got so many different games on. Uh, throughout the day and just you're going one game to the next and you're watching them and I just thought when I watched them they looked like one of the faster teams now Taylor Austin didn't have a huge game we did have six catches uh, but offensively I just saw them running around people on defensively Robert Quinn and company they were flying all over the field 
T.J. McDonald had a couple big hits in the back end. I, I just thought this, to me, looked like a really, really fast, athletic young team with a quarterback that finally has some pieces around him and played pretty good. The New Orleans Saints got a pretty decent effort out of their defense. I wouldn't say it was great, but it looked to me that if this team can get that kind of performance from their defense, that the offense can overcome any deficiencies that they have. What would you think about Sean Payton's return? Uh, I mean, I thought it looked good. I mean, I thought, I thought the offense, Drew Brees, doesn't really skip a beat. I mean, you know exactly what you're going to get with him. Uh, you know, Sproles catching the ball out of the backfield looked good. Kenny Stills had a big catch. Uh, so, yeah, the, the offense, I don't have any concerns about them whatsoever. I thought they, you know, had some decent balance. There wasn't a big-time rushing performance, but Atlanta's got a little bit of an underrated front playing the run. Uh, but I thought they protected well up front, protected the passer, and then on defense, it didn't do anything that just blew you away, but they found a way to get an opportunistic turnover when it mattered most, and that's when they won the Super Bowl exactly what they did. They gave up yards, they gave up points, but they were opportunistic and got big turnovers. Uh, there weren't a lot of them in this game, but they got it when it mattered. DJ, last pro football question for you is, I always hear, this is one of these things, what you and I have talked about on uh, on this show, offensive linemen. I love when the the regular people at home, and I'm including myself in the, in that group, when we assess offensive linemen. Oh, he's a terrific, uh, he's a terrific right tackle. Really, you don't have any ability to gauge that. You're not watching him on film. I've even asked NFL players, and if they're not on the interior, they don't even know. Wide receivers and safeties, they don't know who's a good offensive of linemen themselves now a new one is the phrase shut down corner this is one that football people love talking i mean football fans love throwing around but i don't think they really understand what makes that and by the way my question is then i guess what not not necessarily who is a shutdown corner but how does somebody actually do that i mean outside of Darrell Rivas, who can kind of give whoever he goes against a zero in terms of statistics is there anybody that legitimately just takes a guy away I, I don't think so. To me, the way I define a shutdown corner is is the quarterback, you know, comes to the line of scrimmage, finds out where you are, and doesn't <laughs> doesn't go your way. I mean, that to me is a shutdown corner. They don't want anything to do with you. You've effectively shut your guy down, and the quarterback's not even going to look in your direction. And even though Revis has been fantastic um, throughout his career, I mean, the ball's still coming in his way. I mean, back in the day when Dion was there, the ball did not go to that side of the field. I mean, you never never got any action. And and to me, the only way you're going to see that happen now is not that you have a shutdown corner on one side. It's because you've got a terrible corner on the other side. That's the reason why uh, you wouldn't go in that direction because you want to pick on the other guy. Uh, so to me, no, I, I don't think we really have a true shutdown corner. And especially with as many three and four receiver sets as we've seen right now, you know, I used to say, right, you take away all this guy, take away half the field. Well, you can't take away half the field if there's three other receivers out there. Hmm. Yeah, that's an interesting point. I haven't considered that. All right, DJ, listen, look forward to seeing you on Thursday nights uh, all year. I'll be hanging out with you and uh, Money and Elliot and the and the uh, and the gang there on the Thursday night football extra. I'm looking forward to that. Well, actually, we don't call it foot. Uh, do we call it Thursday night football extra? Mark Brady, our boss, told me make sure you get the titles right. Handsome, what is it? It's called TNF Live. All right, see. Thank you, handsome. I'm glad you're here for that. I've, I've got to be useful for something, right? No, or stop would you it. Stop. Don't you be that. Can way. we not ask DJ what he thought about USC? Because I thought that was oh. hilarious. Oh. <laughs> Can I tell you all something? And this will sound like I'm making this up, but I swear it's to be true. I swear it to be true. I was driving on Saturday, and I thought, 
I think Washington State, watch them. They're going to win this game. They're going to steal this game tonight, and all of uh, USC fans are going are gonna to weep the, the rest of the weekend. And I forgot to tweet it out, and then I saw oh. the Wazoo beat them. But anyway, yeah, what about hmm. that? Well, it was it was gross. It was painful to watch, and uh, you know, defensively, USC is much improved and they played great. Uh, offensively, they they have two uh, big time receivers. I mean, not just like two good college receivers. They have two studs. One you can make a case is the best receiver in all of college football. They've got two tight ends that are you know NFL size. They're athletic and can make all kinds of plays. And they did not throw the ball. I don't think got a completion longer than eight yards. In this game. That's not the QB's fault either. They're, these are no, blue chip recruits. What what's he they doing? Threw the ball, they threw the ball laterally more than I mean. It was like you were watching an inferior team play up against a superior team, and they were scared to get the ball. You just got to get the ball out of your hands. It was like the JV was scrimmaging the varsity, and they had to just throw these quick little screens out there. And you're like, you have better players than them. Be more aggressive. It was just it was just the most conservative, bizarre thing. I mean, they'd be in third and third and six, and they were running the ball every time. Um, it was bizarre. I mean, obviously, they don't have any confidence in their quarterbacks, but they didn't really give them a chance to push the ball downfield either. It was it was really, really weird to watch. It's like they just needed to be reminded, you have a lot of really good players out there. Try it at least and get them to football. Oh, yeah. It was very much like watching the Steelers on Sunday. Todd Haley's offense. Never try to throw the ball past uh Plus ten yards apparently is his is his scheme this year. All right, listen, DJ. The last thing, and then you go. Who wins, A and M or Bama? Who A and M or Bama? Well, I'm, I'm going to say Alabama wins in a pretty close game. But I mean, they, they they've been pointing to this one since they lost it last year in, the, in their weight room in Alabama. They've had this the, the replay of this game going nonstop during the entire off season. I just, I, you know, I, I, truth be told, I would like to see I would like to see A and M win. Just to just to see this whole drama just crank up for the rest of the year, <laughs> but I, I don't think it'll happen. I think Alabama will, will get their offensive line issues fixed and, and they'll come out with a close win. All right, I know you. I said it a lot. Johnny Manziel, Matt, Johnny Manziel, will he be a first round draft pick? Will he be a first round draft pick? I don't know. We'll have to, we'll, we'll have to wait and see. I don't, I'm not trying to get you. Trying to get me in trouble here, Dave. Trying. To oh, get me in right, right, right. Yes, you're not to address such matters because he's. But he's, but he's a very fun player to watch, and uh, and and we'll just have to wait and see. We'll see if he gets to play after he leaves A and M at some point. All right, listen. Who are you going to get on short notice to come on the podcast if you get me fired? <laughs> uh, well, I guess as long as we don't have him speak, handsome Hank, you two look so much alike that at least we could get away <laughs> yeah. on that le- uh, on that level. All right, listen, Daniel Jeremiah, aka at Move the Sticks, dynamite stuff, a GM to be. I don't care how much he demurs. In the meantime, it's a pleasure to see you walk in the hallways, and we'll look forward to seeing you on Thursday night there. Thanks for having me back on, boys. It's good to be back. There he goes, the great Daniel Jeremiah. And usually I say great, and I don't really mean it when they hang up, but I, I in this case, I, I think it is true. Hey, we'll be back uh, with more in just one minute. Now, a word from a sponsor. Hi, Dave Damashek here for Milkshakes. Sure, you like your chocolate, you like your vanilla, and if you like a little fruit flavor, strawberry. But here's a tip for you. Try peppermint milkshakes. Oh, they're cold and icy and extra delicious with that minty zing that you can only get from peppermint. Peppermint milkshakes. Try them today. Thank me later. Now, back to the show. All right, welcome back to the Dave Damashek football program. Good stuff from Daniel Jeremiah there. 
Final thoughts, fellas. What what do we think here? Black tie, you want to give us a shout out real quick? You haven't given us a shout out in a while. That's Wednesday show, guys. Uh, don't make show rules. Of the just week. give us a no. shout out. Why can't you ring Why it? Why can't you just last, pull one out? Can't you be last fun? One. Football's back. Can't you be it's a, a little tease. fun? It's a tease. Hey, man. It's no, it's not a tease. Here's my shout we could do one for you. <laughs> All right, hey, yeah. Well, I'm just going to take it away hey, from man. you. Security no, guards. They have such a hey, hard time. Hey, man. When I, pull my BMI, when I pull my BMW up, man, they park it for me. Hey, you done? <laughs> I'm gonna. You know what? I might throw it out to Twitter then. If you can't rise up and do but a shout out every week, it's a seasonal. Let's, it's a let's seasonal have Neil, endeavor. The let's have our just se- started, and it's on Wednesday show. That's why we broke that. That's why we have the new schedule of the podcast: Monday reaction, Wednesday play guest shout outs, and other segments. The season. Oh, I didn't realize you had laid it out so far. Hey, man, being a podcast producer, you have to sit there, look at Facebook for about 20 minutes while there's some people talking in the background. It's kind of disturbing, you guys. uh, I'd like to say this. I say we have our super fan, Neil Dutton, do our shout outs. Maybe he could do the first one and we could start them all. Stop demoting him. He's fan producer, Neil Dutton. Fan producer. Maybe that's what we should do. He should do it. We should have him do it. That should be his new task. We should roll the calls in, maybe. That's what we should do. We should have people call. Call in and give their shout outs. Meantime, here's something I that I noticed. The commercials drive me crazy every year watching. It's as I say, when you watch the football all day, and especially in week one, you realize these are the ads we're gonna see ad oh, nauseum yeah. for the next four months. And when the batch is not strong, it gets worrisome. Like, for instance, I like the guy who asks the kids the questions. Those are fine. And especially if they keep updating those, then I'm cool with those. But the one that bothered me is the promo on CBS for the new show, Sleepy Hollow. I didn't realize. Do you know that they're bringing this back? This Sleepy Hollow, handsome. Hey, you no must. Idea. You surely know about. Uh, I, I mean, the I, legend I saw of, it, but I, I know the legend of Sleepy Hollow. Yeah. And but I didn't know that they were bringing it back. Did you? Well, yes. It's a new hour-long drama on CBS this year. But for some reason, it's set in present day. So the Headless Horseman is around, mm-hmm. but it's 2013. Why would he have a horse? Oh. And he's well. And why is he more more to the more worrisome to me? Is why is he dressed in his 19th century outfit? You know, the frilly shirt and that long velvet coat that the that the fellas Maybe used to he was wear on back his way then. To a fancy dress affair. But the laws after him in this, don't you understand? Johnny Law is trying to catch the headless horseman. My tip is he needs to update the wardrobe so he blends in a little bit more. He won't stand out so much if he's wearing, you, you know, some they... Skechers and and like a an Affliction T-shirt. He still or won't have a head though. True. That will be a good that way. For be the I mean, we're that's looking a for point. a guy in 19th century dress isn't the thing they'll be saying. Yes. We're looking for a guy without a head. Ah, uh, well, I mean, you don't know. I guess you can't put his face on, on the, a milk carton. It's can the, you? Wanted, no, indeed. the wanted, no, poster, indeed. Is wanted poster is blank. Poster is empty. A lot yeah. easier. Hey, get the guy in the in the in the frilly shirt and the long coat and right. no head. Like, mm-hmm. wait, who am I looking for? There's a guy walking around in a, in an Indianapolis Colts shirt, shirt, and he's got some high-top yeah. converse on, and he has no head. Is that the guy? Like, Confusing. by then, he's gone. He's jumped yeah. on his horse, and he's gone. You see? And, of Good course, point. and of course, the Colts would be his team. Or that the way. Broncos. Maybe yep. the Broncos, but that would be the only two. Possibly the Broncos. Yeah. Or maybe he could be an SMU fan and root for the Mustangs. Yeah, but maybe. I think you understand. Sure. So it's something to think about. All okay. right. Now final, listen. Final thought. Final thought. The 1977 Atlanta Falcons. 77. 
129 points allowed in a 14-game season. Best ever. Wow. Better even than the 76 Steelers. I would imagine that average is, yes. Yeah, I think the Steelers' run was an 11-week run where they were dominant, but uh, once Bradshaw got hurt, which puts them up there, 85 Bears, 86 Bears are up there. Ravens of, what, th- 2,000? They got to be up there in terms of statistical dominance. Right. They didn't score a touchdown, literally, I don't think, for a month, that team. With Tony Banks as their QB. Mm-hmm. All right, Black Tie, I would love to go on, but Black but, Tie wants us to wrap up. Before we wrap up, though, there's a couple of games we really didn't talk about. I want to hit on that in a quick two-minute drill all here. Right. You guys, how, about, all right? how about Wednesday? Are you guys ready for this? <laughs> Let's do this <laughs> Wednesday. Wednesday. A quick Wednesday. two-minute drill. It's NFL go football ahead, games, Go guys. ahead, go ahead. We, we really we did. didn't hit on the Saints against the Falcons. I've got the Jim. shame report, or Sheck report, I should Sheck say. Report, yeah. I'm Daniel. going out to the stage to shoot that in a couple of minutes. Yes, I've gotten your tweets. And it is coming back, and it will be up imminently. Maybe it is up by the time you're listening. And now, the DDFP two-minute drill. Quick thoughts on these games, guys. Lions versus Vikings. Lions come up with the win. Thoughts? Well, the Lions' offense is better for having Reggie Bush, and Indomitian Sue is the same old creep he's been for the last couple of years. Vikings are still a viable team, I guess. But uh, that, like I said... The other day, I think the NFC North is tough, and you know, losing those divisional games is is not great. But Detroit basically held serve there. That's a home game for them, so it's one they're supposed to win. You're like Andy Reid with clock management. You're right. Not All right, good. I got a I'm different well. game for Adam Rank. Bengals, Bears, your Bears. How about AJ Green's yeah. first half? Very nice. He's one of the best receivers in in all of the NFL, and for whatever reason. He he slowed down at the end of last year. The bulk of his touchdowns came in the beginning of the season, and then he had one touchdown, I think, over his last seven games to end the year. So he started strong here. Let's see because Mohamed Sanu got hurt, and they could really just uh, bracket him the rest of the way. The one thing, just watching AJ Green, and uh, this is heavy praise for a guy like this. He reminds me more of Ed than any receiver I've seen since he retired as Jerry Rice. Mm-hmm. He really did. Yeah, he sense? cuts the same figure. He gl- has that same gliding run. You know, so we've had some great. I think receivers he's more acrobatic, but yeah, we've had some great receivers since then. The Randy Mosses, the Megatron, all those guys. But in terms of just what he looks like when he's playing, AJ Green, he's no, willowy. He's willowy, exactly. All right, Hank. Last uh, last game we didn't hit on for you. You guys know I'm not the biggest Alex Smith fan, but hey, Chiefs. I wanted to ask Jags. DJ about that, but he de- but uh, you know twenty eight to two. Present. Any uh, any thoughts on that game? Well, I mean the two is is the thing that stands out for me more than anything else. I mean that Jags team is is um, is going to be a disaster. This year. The 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 interesting thing for them Tebow? is that well, you no. think the calls coming for Tebow. I don't think that's going to help them, and that's not going to help them in, in any way. They will right. really just seem well, like a marketing grab if at but, this point they go and get him. But it depends. I mean, if Blaine Gabbert, you know, he had 15 stitches in his throwing hand yesterday, right? So yes. that, that's um, that's something. Now you have more of an excuse if you decide, okay, well, we really do need to do this. You can at least say, because we lost the quarterback, rather than because we're doing it just for the same thing. All right, that's it. Two-minute offense. New segment right there and then. All right. Uh, well. Thanks, Coach uh, Black Tie, and uh, and thanks to Daniel Jeremiah at Move the Sticks. Thanks to Rank at Adam Rank. NFL UK Hank is how you track down the handsome one. I'm at Damashek, and we'll be back with uh, with more noise for you. We'll look into week two with Elliot Harrison because Rank is out then. Do we have a guest? We're working on Nate Burleson, the Lions wide receiver, Nate Burleson, great talker. He can talk about Reggie Bush and, you know, what he brings to the offense, Calvin Johnson, and uh, if he thinks A.J. Green Why don't we get Calvin Johnson? 
Oh, Calvin or Johnson? Which one? Oh, <laughs> look who's red Very hot good. and ready to roll. All right, listen. We'll cut it off there. Like I say, the shame report is up there Shack for you. Report, the Shack the report. Shack the Shack report. report. The Shack report. Be on the lookout, After of course. four years. You'll see it all year long. Be on the lookout for the like-dislike column of rank. Um, Tuesday of- night, me and Jen Brown back at it with Don Shula following up a football life. He's going to be He's here, He's going to be here, and I'm going to be in studio. Is that right? Yeah, I'm part of a live studio audience of one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm actually be, not kidding. I don't think he should do that. No, I'm going to be. I there. hope. I've heard rumor Why? that he might bring Shula burgers. Hmm? No. Really? I hope he does. Oh, you know what? Anytime I would like you, to give him a sincere evaluation of it, too. Anytime you go to a Shula's restaurant, they sit down and they, they the guy comes around, the waiter comes around, and he says, we've got these different steaks. He brings some of them out there, and then he says, the cowboy steak, this is Coach Shula's personal favorite. And I'm, if it's hmm. good enough for Coach Shula, then it should be good enough for all of us. That's all they should serve. Can I be tell careful. you, I like the that. perfect cut. I careful, don't, though. That's what I would call it. I don't like that he calls it uh, a cow. It doesn't make any sense. The Cowboys beat him and his Dolphins in Super Bowl six. Why would he honor them with a with a cut of steak? He's a magnanimous um, man. Apparently, we're gonna really we'll pull back and we'll find out all the layers that mm-hmm. uh, that make Coach Don Shula what he is. On Tuesday nights, a football life, and then after that, the backstory with uh, with me and Jim Brown. So be on the lookout for that. All right. Another podcast on its way. More hooey and applesauce. In the meantime, thanks so much, football fans. It's been a thin slice of heaven. You go into your shower feeling tired. But as soon as you reach for the Irish Spring, your day immediately gets better. That crisp, fresh, unmistakable Irish Spring scent zings your brain and awakens your senses. So when you finally emerge from the shower... 37 minutes later, because you pay the water bill so you can stay in there as long as you want, you're ready to take on the day. And smell great doing it. Irish Spring Body Wash and Bar Soap. Fresh, green, Irish. Shop now at a store near you. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. You ever get the feeling the city walls closing in, the concrete jungle suffocating your soul? You crave wide open spaces, the chance to connect with nature, maybe chase some elk, fish a private stream. Well, listen up. There's a whole world out there, and finding your own piece of it just got easier. Head over to land.com. They've got ranches, forest, mountains, you name it. Search by acreage, location, the kind of hunting or fishing you dream of. Land.com. It's where the adventure begins.